And uh, I tell you, I want to preach this morning. If you'll stand with us, I enjoy every testimony. And uh, we don't have to get out at 12 o'clock, y'all know that. Amen. And uh, 25, 30 minutes preaching won't hurt nobody, isn't that right? And uh, I've enjoyed every testimony. And I would say this, keep those testimonies coming. Can I get an amen? Isn't that right? I'm going to bear down harder. I'm going to, and I don't mean this in a negative. I mean it in a positive. I want you to take it the right way. Uh, I'm going to bear down harder on promoting old-time worship than I ever have. And I always have because I've always believed in it. And I'll tell you why. I got a taste of it as a teenager. It's changed my life. It's changed my wife's life. I believe in it. And it's good enough, amen, while you're living. It'll be good enough when you're dying. But I tell you, God, about a month ago, put it down in my soul just to push and promote. You don't have to act like me. I don't want you to act like me. And I don't act like you. You be the person God wants you to be. But it don't cost nothing just to stand up like some folks have in the service and say, I'm just glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. Or just open your mouth and sing a song. Uh, there's all different forms of, of worship that you can magnify God. It don't always have to be a testimony. Raising your hand, saying amen. You say, preacher, why do you push that so hard? Because the more churches I go in, the more deader they're getting. Now I'm telling you, listen, I'd rather be, Brother Laddie, in a barn this morning. I mean that, Brother Blake. I'd rather be in a barn with people that know what this is about as to be in some big cathedral somewhere and have money in the bank. None of that means anything to me this morning. I appreciate these facilities, but this carpet and pews and all, this don't mean a hill of beans to me. I'm telling you, it's just a place for us to come and to meet and to worship God. And we need Him, don't we, this morning? And so we need old-time religion, and I encourage you, to get a good taste of it. Daniel chapter 10, and I'm going to do something I seldom do, but this week God uh, really put this in my heart, and even this morning, I woke up this morning early and uh, thought I was going to preach one thing out of this text, and God just began to develop another thing in my heart this morning, but a couple weeks ago I began to preach out of Daniel 10 and really just left the text, highlighted a few thoughts. Said, I don't, I, you know, I'm not the kind of preacher. I don't like to recap. I tell you, I get around some preachers, and I'm not being negative, but uh, they spend 25 minutes preaching their last sermon. And if I, I, y'all may feel different about that, but if I want to hear that sermon, I'll buy that CD. Amen. That's just how I feel about it. Let's preach something new. Amen. Hey, a whole bunch in there. Amen. Let's don't re-preach it. But I may mention a thing or two this morning, but we'll move on very quickly in the thought that God. God has laid on our heart. Daniel chapter 10 and verse number 1. The Bible said in the third year of Cyrus king of Persia a thing was revealed unto Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar and the thing was true but the time appointed was long and he, he, underst and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread neither came fl uh, flesh nor wine in my mouth neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month as I was uh, side, uh, as I was by the side of the great river the, which is Hittakel then I lifted up mine eyes and looked and behold a certain man clothed in linen whose loins were girded with a fine gold of Euphaz his body also was like the burl and his face as the appearance of lightning and his eyes as lamps of fire and his arms and his feet like in color uh, to polished brass, brass and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude and I Daniel 
alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone, and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, and my comeliness was turned into my uh, turned uh, in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. Father, I pray this morning that you will bless the reading of your word. I thank you for, Lord, the good singing. Thank you for the good testifying. Thank you for the liberty to worship in this place this morning. Take these next few moments of time and speak to our heart, and we'll love you and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I would normally wait till tonight to come back and preach the text that I'm going to preach on tonight. Uh, But what I want to say to you this morning is the message that God has impressed upon my heart is not just a sermon, but I want to say this morning is a great uh, burden of my heart and has been for several years of my Christian life. I want to preach this morning on this subject on a spirit-filled senior saint. A spirit-filled senior saint. I think the message this morning will both encourage the, uh, those that are senior saints, but it is far more than a message just to those that are of senior saints. I don't want you this morning to think, well, preacher is preaching to the elderly, and so therefore uh, the message does not apply to me. That is not true at all. I want to draw your attention to four things and preach on this one thought this morning. I want you to see, first of all, the timing of this text. As the Bible said that in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, uh, he talks about the timing of this text. Now, uh, this is in 533 B.C. and Daniel is well into his 90s now and Cyrus is the king. It's his third year of reign. Uh, uh, You remember that Darius was king in chapter number 5 and he slew Belshazzar and the fall of the Babylonian Empire was uh, uh, came to an end uh, and the Medo-Persians took over Uh, but Darius was just uh, he was just in rule for two years and uh, Darius was the the uncle of, of Cyrus and and so once Darius dies, uh, uh, Cyrus takes over reign. And so that's the timing. And it's very important uh, for what we're about to preach this morning. Not only is there the timing of this text, but I want you to see the thing that's in this text here. Notice what Daniel says in verse number 1. He said that in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true. But the time appointed was long, and he understood understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Now three times in verse number one uh, Daniel mentions this thing. What thing is this thing? Well uh, the word thing simply means a word or a revelation. And Daniel says about this thing here he tells us three things in that verse. Number one he says that it was revealed. Number two he says uh, that it was true Uh, and number three he says that he had understanding concerning Concerning, uh, this thing. Is that not true about the whole Word of God together? Uh, the Word of God has been revealed. The Word of God is true. And the Word of God, God gives understanding to those uh, uh, that will seek after it. And so we see the thing in this text. We see the timing of this text. Uh, but then I want you to notice the turmoil that is within this text. Uh, there's a lot of turmoil that is happening in chapter number 10. There is social turmoil among 
amongst the Jews there as they have went back. There is social turmoil in Babylon amongst the Jews and the Babylonians. There is saintly turmoil as Daniel feels the weight of this burden and what is taking place both in Babylon and what is taking place there in Jerusalem. And then there is spiritual turmoil as chapter 10 highlights the spiritual warfare that takes place behind the scenes between the forces of good and the forces of evil. God pulls back the curtain and he gives us a little picture, a little insight of what takes place as our prayers goes up and as God's power comes down. You see, hell may have lost the battle or may have lost the victory, but hell's not going to roll over and not put up a fight, friend. Even though the devil may be a defeated foe, he'll never stop fighting against the children of God. He'll never stop fighting against God himself until the day that God cast him into the lake of fire. And so what Daniel finds himself in as a senior saint, he sees himself in utter turmoil. What is taking place is that some 42 to 49,000 Jews has returned back home. There's been two years since the decree has been given, but many of those Jews have decided to live in apathy and in luxury living in Babylon. Amen. And that's kindly where I went off last week talking about that's where America is at. Most people don't know what suffering is. They live in apathy and they live in luxury, not willing to go forward and to pay the price for God spiritually. Amen. Now, Clarence Larkin said 42,360 uh, Jews went home, uh, and Lehman Strauss says 49,670 Jews went home. Uh, I don't know how many of them went home, uh, but somewhere between 42 and 50,000 Jews uh, is all that felt the burden uh, uh, to pick up out of Babylon and go back to where they once came from. You know what that tells us? If we wait on the majority, we'll never get nothing done for God. Brother, God's always operated in the few. Amen. It was a few loaves and fishes that fed the 5,000. Amen. It was a few disciples that turned the world upside down for God. It was a few, a little bit of meal in the bottom of the barrel that sustained the widow and her son. And Elijah, those days, God, my friend, masters in taking just a little. As the old songwriter said, little is much whenever God is in it. Amen. And there's all this social turmoil going on. And Daniel is feeling such a burden in verse number two as he said that he was mourning three full weeks and then there's the spiritual turmoil on top of that. It reminds me of the day that we're living in. Friend, we're living in a time of turmoil. Isn't that right? We see the timing of this text. We see uh, the turmoil of this text, the thing that's in this text. Uh, but here's where I want you to notice this morning. There is the triumph in this text. I'm glad that chapter 10 is not a depressing chapter. Amen. And I'm more glad that we serve a God that when the world is full of turmoil, the saint of God can still have peace. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, where we find Daniel in chapter number 10, his Daniel is well into his 90s now. His, his health is failing. His body is weak. Perhaps it may even be the reason why that Daniel didn't go back himself is because physically he may not have been able to make the journey.
journey. Amen. It might be that God wanted him to stay here and get this final revelation in chapter 11 and 12 or it could have been both. But whatever the reason is, we know that Daniel's health is failing in this chapter. Physically, he has become weak. But I want you to get a hold of this this morning because this is the message. Spiritually, he's stronger than he's ever been. You know what God showed me in these verses? I, I, when I, last week, the Lord, I just didn't feel like I should leave chapter 10. And as I began to read them early verses of this chapter here, God began to speak to my heart that Daniel is the perfect picture of a spirit-filled senior saint. Because the older that Daniel gets, the weaker his body gets. That's just the way of life, isn't it? But as Daniel's body grows weaker... His spiritual man grows stronger. He's getting prepared to make the crossing. He's getting prepared to leave this world and go into the next. You know, when I was in my 20s, I wasn't wanting to die. When I was in my 20s, I was wanting to live. I think that God puts it in every man at every age to want to live. But I can tell you this, 20-something years later, I'm more excited about heaven today than I was 20 years ago. And I think if God, Brother Laddie, will let me live another 20 years, I'll be even more excited about checking out and seeing him than what I am right now. Because the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The longer you walk with Jesus, you talked about it this morning. I thought, Brother Danny's all over my message this morning. The longer we walk with him hand in hand, the stronger the relationship, the greater and the sweeter the fellowship, the more we're getting ready to leave this world and to go to the next world. Hallelujah. I read a book. You ought to get it. You could get it for six or seven dollars. It's called The Chalice of Life. Little old book, about a hundred and something pages. And the writer talks about in The Chalice of Life, every chapter, beginning with the 30s, talks about life in its 30s, life in its 40s, life in its 50s. I wondered why he didn't start with life in his 20s. I thought, well, you're dumb in your 20s. Amen. And you think you know everything in your 20s. So he didn't even bother to talk to that crowd. Amen. He said, we'll just wait till you get to 30. Joseph was 30 in Egypt when God used him. Jesus was 30 when he made his public announcement and began his earthly ministry. A lot of things happens in your 30s. In 40s, as I read that chapter, I thought to myself, God must have willingly and wanted me to read this book, I believe, through divine providence because in my life and where I'm at now, the writer had much to say about your 40s. And he said 40s are a very dangerous and also a very blessed age of life. You can get more done from 40 to 60 because your health and strength and even God has blessed you more in those 20 years than you ever will before or after. But he said, the deadly part about 40s is that men write poetry in their 20s and 30s because they're young and in love. They write it in their older years because they have a great appreciation for life. But he said nobody writes poetry in their 40s. I don't write poetry, period. Amen. But I get what the writer is saying is that my friend from 40s to 60s, if you're not real careful, they're the most deadliest years of your life. Daniel has lived those years. But in that same book, he said something, Brother David, that caught my attention. I read Life at 70. I started to throw the book away because I didn't even want to see Life at 70. And I thought, why am I reading this? 
And God said, because one day you're going to be 70. He said, in your 70s, he said, there's fields of service you have to walk off of because you can no longer perform in those fields. He said, but don't despair because there's things at 70 you can no longer do, but there's things at 70 that only you can do that those who are younger cannot do because they've not enjoyed and experienced life. But when I read that, I thought about Daniel. He's in his 90s. God has had him for 72 years in captivity. And God has been working and doing things in his life. And Daniel is not just a senior saint in this chapter. He is a spirit-filled senior saint. You see, what Daniel is in this chapter here, he's more than gray hairs and wrinkles. I want to say it takes more than gray hairs and wrinkles to make a senior saint. Somebody say amen. I think there are senior saints and I think there's old people. Somebody say amen. I think, I think senior saints will agree with that. And you can either be a senior saint or you can be an old, people, old person. You say, what's the difference, preacher? Old people are grumpy and gripey and grouchy and gossipy. Now, don't y'all get mad at me. If you classified yourself as an old person, I didn't call you one. You called yourself one. Amen. That's what old people are. You ask them how they're doing. Uh, listen, they'll just fuss you out sometimes. They're never doing good. Uh, and they're just grouchy. They're mad at the whole world. And, and they're dying in bitterness. Amen. But senior saints are not that way. They're filled with the Spirit. Amen. They've got the joy of old age. Uh, they know the joy of the Lord is what their strength is. Uh, they've learned to trust something more than the physical. They've tasted of the spiritual realm. Uh, they're walking on a higher plane. Uh, they're walking with somebody else. Uh, old people I can't stand to be around. Uh, they make me just want to go dig a, a grave somewhere and lay down in it. Uh, but when you get around a senior saint, thank God uh, they'll build you up. Uh, they'll make you want to press on. Uh, they will make you want to live for God. Uh, they'll make you want to serve Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you an old person or a senior saint? But in this text, boy I wish I could preach it all. But I won't. In this text there's seven things that marks a senior saint. See, lad can't even take no more of it. He's leaving. <laughs> He's had all he can take. You know what? There's seven things that marks a senior saint. I want you to notice them this morning. I'll give you what God will let me in about ten minutes and be done. I want to say number one, a senior saint, a spirit-filled senior saint is sharp. The Bible says in verse number 1 that Daniel said the thing was revealed unto Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar. The thing was true, but the time appointed was long. But watch this. He understood the thing and the understanding of the vision. Do you realize that Daniel knew more than anybody in the kingdom? Amen. You want to know who the sharpest man was in the kingdom in chapter 10? It's not some young punk running around there that just got fresh out of seminary, out of the Babylonian college. It's not some young punk, amen, that's come up out of Jerusalem. Well, listen, charisma and personality and popularity, no. It's an old gray-haired man of God that has walked with God for over 90 years. He's filled with the Holy Spirit when the whole world is scratching their head and don't know what's going on and who's really in charge of this thing. Daniel is seeing things and understanding things that you got to be 90 to understand. He's seeing things that God isn't showing to nobody else. Hey, I want to say to every young person, I want to say to every young adult, you're to thank God for senior saints. You're to purpose to be a senior saint. They're not old fogies. Amen. You're to thank God for the wisdom of the great hairs that have went on before us. Amen. I watch how people, and I'm not just talking about people, I watch preachers. And I'm not being judgmental. 
But you can tell a lot about a preacher how he treats those who are older than him. Amen. Can I tell you the saving the lifeline of my ministry has been those gray hairs that have been before me. God has blessed me and I'm not boasting in nothing other than him this morning. I'm not smart enough to get out of the rain but God has blessed me uh, for being good to the gray hairs Uh, and brother I'm telling you if I had it to do all over again I'd do it all over again a thousand times. Uh, Hey listen some of them may not even have an 8th grade or 5th grade education but they've been to the school of wisdom and the school of learning. They've been to the school of life uh, and they know things that you can't get out of a textbook. Uh, They've walked with God and they've experienced the trials and the troubles and they're sharper than what anybody else you'll ever meet in life. I like these gray hairs that are scattered throughout this congregation. We ought to honor them till they're gone. One by one we salute them and we send them on to glory. And we stand by them and we stand with them and we love them. And if they have a need, we help them and we're there for them. Amen. You know why? Because they've been faithful. They've blazed a trail. They've walked with God. And you know what? You'll learn some things by listening. I thought about this the other day, Brother David. Now, nobody here does this. You know, anytime I say that, it's not true. Okay? Just thought I'd tell you that. Have you ever noticed how young people and young adults talk all the time like this? They always got something to say. Boy, y'all going to be so quiet. I'm just going to preach anyway. I, I tell you, we're going home at 1230, so I take all the pressure off of it. Okay? And they, they talk all the time. Some, and they get on social media. Wouldn't you like to take a 12-gauge shotgun and just find the source of the fountainhead of social media and just blow it into eternity? They just get on there and talk, 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 and they tell everything. Things they ought not be telling. Things they ought not be saying. They've never figured out God gave them two ears and one mouth. Amen? But they just talk, 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 and talk. You ever watch the older people? They don't say much. They're the backlogs of this church. They're the last to be talking. They ought to be the first. They've seen more. They know more. They've learned more. Why do they talk less? And you got these others. Well, you wish they had a knob, don't you? It's going to get quieter. Y'all hold on. I don't even know if my wife's going to hang with me by the time I get through preaching on this one. I'm trying to help people. I'm telling you, listen, it is a good day in my life when the Holy Ghost just told me, shut your mouth. And he just told me that one time in life, by the way. And listen. You know why I love Tim Green? I just love him because I learned stuff from him. You know why I love Brother Allen, Brother Blue? I learned things. You know, I like to hear you teach Sunday school, and I mean with all my heart. I learn things. It helps me. I'm telling you, Fred, opening your ears and shutting your mouth is a sign of spirituality. Just listening and learning, getting to the place where you realize, as you said this morning, you're already, I don't know everything. The sharpness of old age is learning to just dial it down a little bit sometimes. I'm not talking about worship. You know that. I'm not talking about testifying. I'm just talking about spirituality. He was sharp. 
I still noticed something else about him this morning. He was steady. You know what verse number 3 so interesting. He said, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine into my mouth. You know what's so amazing about verse 3? Is that Daniel is doing the same thing in his 90s that he was doing in chapter number 1 and 2 as a young man. Remember chapter 1, he wouldn't eat the king's meat nor drink his wine. 72 years later, he's doing the same thing. I'm telling you, friend... You can't put a price tag on steadfastness. Brother, I'm telling you, listen, I appreciate the talent. I appreciate people that will give. I appreciate them. We can just go on and on. Don't you appreciate all those things? But I'm telling you, just give me a crowd. That'll stay with the ship. Amen. Just give me a crowd. That'll just come in, turn the lights on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Just give me a crowd that'll fall in their seat. They may not run the aisles, and they may not have a whole lot to say a whole lot of times, but they're steady. They're there when my friend people are happy, and they're there when they're mad. Amen. They're there, my friend, when people love you, but they're there when people don't even like you. Amen. I'm telling you, you can't put a price tag on somebody that'll just be steadfast in their Christian walk with God. Hallelujah. Some people rise high, but they crash and burn real quick. Some people shoot for the stars and never get off the ground, but thank God for those. They may not run a marathon, but they'll just keep putting one foot in front of the other. They'll just keep walking with God. They'll just keep doing the same old thing over and over and over and over again. Brother, I'm telling you, that's what we need is some steadfastness, amen. We don't need preachers with a lot of charisma and personality. And I'm not against that. But they ain't, that, you've got to be more than that. Preaching is not about preaching the greatest sermon every service. You're never going to do it. If you ever think you did, guess who told you? The devil. Amen. I'm telling you, you know what preaching is? It's going to the pulpit Sunday after Sunday. Whether it's a house full or a handful, whether my friend they're happy, sad, mad, or whatever, amen. Whether you got money or don't got money, whether you got problems or don't got problems, it's just going to the pulpit and open that book one more time and reading the text one more time and pulling a hammer back one more time and just saying the same thing one more time and just preaching and preaching and preaching. Hey, if you're gonna knock a hole in something, you may have to hit it more than one time, but if you'll beat in the same place long enough, you'll make a difference in it. Amen. I'm just simply telling you friend, we need some steady saints that will be faithful and just keep doing what they're doing. Amen. I think one of the greatest testimonies of any man or any woman is that they attended the same church as many years as possible. Paid their tithes and their offerings. Took their children to Sunday school. Loved God. Had family altered. Lived clean. Gave the gospel lived and died with integrity and respect. I think it's the greatest thing that could ever be said. Nobody's putting nobody's names on a marquee. Their picture's never going to be posted nowhere. But it doesn't have to be. God isn't impressed with it one none whatsoever. But the steadiness. Daniel lived 72 years at this point in captivity. 
But not one day nor one hour did Babylon ever live in Daniel's heart. Daniel lived in Babylon just like he lived when he lived in Jerusalem. Daniel was faithful to the end. By the time we get to chapter 10, most of his family and friends are either dead or distant to another land. But Daniel is still getting up this morning in chapter 10 like every other morning and doing the same thing that he did yesterday. And he's going to get up and do it tomorrow. And I'm telling you, friend, that's what living life is all about. It's about punching that clock tomorrow. It's about being a Christian tomorrow, being a Christian the next day and the next day and the next day and coming in Sunday and worshiping and doing it all over again. Nobody's going to sing your praise. Nobody's going to give you a pat on the back for that. But there's one looking down that said if you want to be a dad, y'all, you just got to be steady, friend. You got to be steady. I think that this most rewarding I want to give you one more and I'll come back and preach another tonight. I'm talking about being a spirit-filled senior saint. Not only was he steady, not only was he, do I see in this text that he was sharp, but I see that he was simple. He said in verse number 4 that in the 4 and 20th day of the first month, notice this, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittichel, which is the Tigris River, Daniel is sitting by the river. Now, if I'd have been 90 years old and been in the position Daniel was in, you would have thought that Daniel would have been sitting somewhere, and I mean, inside the palace, in the cool, in the shade, being served with the royal garment on. Daniel's by the river, Hittichel. You know what's so special about that river? That's one of them rivers that ran in the Garden of Eden. That's one of them rivers that Adam lived by. That's one of them rivers that the presence of God came walking in the cool of the day. Daniel didn't need a palace. Daniel didn't need a royal robe in his 90s. Daniel just needed a little place to sit down and to meet with God. He didn't need nobody worshiping him. He didn't need nobody singing his praises. He didn't need a silver platter and a silver spoon. Daniel just needed the presence of God. He was teaching it this morning about just needing a simple place. Daniel was a simple servant. You know the greatest of God's servants are just simple men, aren't they? Brother Cape was a simple man. I think about old brother Doug Brandon. He's a simple man. Run beagle dogs, killed rabbits, and preached with a power of God. Amen. Squalled like a panther when he preached. I'm telling you, if you're saved, you want to get saved again. He scared me to death so many times. I mean, they hit a howl like the wind when he preached. Preached on, can you sleep on a stormy night? Is it a sin to shout? Amen. What have they seen in thine house? I, pre- I heard him preach that one night at the 11th Avenue Baptist Church and I'm telling you, talk about blood and guts and hide was on the wall and down the aisle. I'm telling you, he in the middle of that sermon, he said, I know some of you folks ain't liking this. He said, because I'm a walking all over you right now. He said, but I get done with you. He said, my shoe print's going to be on your front side and your back side. Amen. <laughs> Simple. But generous for God. I listened to old brother Jack Kyle's preach this week. I found it on YouTube. 
Me and my wife was in that service. I'm not going to tell you how many years ago that is because I want you to think I'm still young. But we sat in a service. I told them, I said, look, that's a service we was in because I remember that's the very, I remember the suit Jack Kyle's only met him two times in my life and that's the suit he was wearing. He signed my Bible that night. I tried to talk to him and he wouldn't talk to me. I was only like 17 years old. I reckon he thought, man, I don't talk to this kid. He signed my Bible, said, God bless you, brother. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, like that. And then he signed the next Bible. But he preached on Sunday is coming. And I remember that. I watched that message. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't like hard preaching, don't go home and look that message up. Because he called out everything. I'm telling you, he could preach against that tie you're wearing right now. And that's a good tie. He preached on everything. He said, he said, this is your hour of darkness, Satan. He said, but Sunday's coming. He said, rock crowd, sing your songs. It's your hour. It's the hour of darkness. But Sunday's coming. He said, homosexuals, lesbians, and he said, queers. You say queers in church, now everybody gets scared to death. When I was a kid, I mean, you heard it so much, you didn't even flinch. He said, all you queers, he said, go ahead and have your parades and run down the streets and Wave your flags. He said, it's the hour of darkness. He said, but I got news for you. Sunday's coming. Now, you can get mad at that if you want to, but I'm going to tell you something. What set this country on its foundation was some men of God. He wasn't being mean. He had a backbone. He loved people enough that no matter what they thought about it, he called sin, sin. And brother, I'm telling you, one by one, he preached against every bit. And I sat there and something uh, swelled up in my soul. Uh, I said, simple, but what would God uh, left this world? Uh, didn't matter if you like them or don't like them. Doesn't make no difference to me. Uh, I'm talking about the Harold Seitlers. Uh, I'm talking about the Oliver B. Greens. Uh, I'm talking about the J. Harold Smiths. Uh, I'm talking about the Lester Roloffs. Uh, I'm talking about the Lee Robertsons. Uh, I'm talking about men that when they stood in the pulpit, you knew they had stood with God and they had heaven's approval and they had the touch of God and God was a blessing and God was a working and they was preaching with passion because they knew what they were preaching about. Hallelujah. That's what this generation needs. They don't need some mop head quartet. They don't need some latest greatest diesel sniffers. They don't need somebody with some personality and career. It's, you listen, they don't need some Joel Osteen or Rick Warren. I, I'm telling you what they need. They need some old-time leather lung country preacher that had been in a corn crib somewhere and got a hold of the horns of the altar and prayed heaven down and knew what they're preaching about. That's what this generation needs. They need some old-timey preachers that knows how to preach. Amen. 1245 is when we're going home. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, we're in trouble because we got men that have sold out and sold this country out. But what to God, we can get some spirit-filled saints once again. Amen. I'm going to preach one more point. You want me to preach one more? Go ahead, Jack. Okay. I got Brother Jack's approval, so if you don't like it, amen. Right there's one. Is that right? I love him. Tell you one thing, he'll preach the Bible to you every time he preaches. You're going to hear that book. 
I'm going to tell you something else about a spirit-filled saint. Is not only are they sharp, but they're about to save you. I like this. Because in verse number 4 and 5, Daniel don't even talk about himself. He said in the 4 and 20th day of the first month, as I was by the side, that's the wrong verse, verse 5. Then I lifted up my eyes and looked and watched this. Behold, a certain man, clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of euphas. That's Jesus. We're seeing Jesus in verse number a pre-incarnate Christ. He said in verse 6, His body was like the burl. That's topaz. I mean, the, His body is shining like a topaz. He said that His face, as the appearance of lightning, is shining like lightning. His eyes were lamps of fire. His arms uh, hey, like uh, in color of polished brass. Uh, and the voice of his words uh, were like the voice of a multitude. Uh, I'm telling you, it was a thundering, friend. Uh, as he was speaking to Daniel, uh, uh, the voice of our Savior was a thundering, amen. Uh, that body of topaz, uh, uh, my friend, those arms of brass, uh, that face uh, shining like a lightning, uh, and the voice of a multitude coming out. Uh, uh, Daniel saw the one that we see about uh, the one that we preach about. Hey, Daniel, saw the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what all y'all need to see. You need to see him. If you ever see him, I'm telling you, it'll change your life. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about walking with him in fellowship. I'm not talking about something mystical. I'm not talking about something supernatural. I'm not talking about a vision or a dream. I'm talking about if you ever just open that book on an early morning hour all by yourself and just start reading some days, it's just black ink on white paper. I'll tell you, there'll be some days when you'll see him, he'll just step out on the page. He'll talk to you. He'll reach out and touch you with a verse. It'll come alive. And my friend, you'll come alive. Oh, my my soul this morning. He's real, brother laddie. He's real. He's real. Daniel saw him. Ninety-something years old. You know, Daniel could have talked about himself. Two kinds of Christian. And I don't think Christian's the right word. Two times believers. There are those who put self on display. But spirit-filled people, they put the Savior on display. You see, the next time you're impressed by somebody, you ought to ask yourself, what impresses you? Is it them or is it him? I want you to understand something. I want to be spiritual. I don't want to be carnal. But I'm not, and I ain't always lived this way, but I, I'm not trying to make you think I'm spiritual. Time is time when I tried that. I think everybody does. But even if I could somehow, some way impress you with some form of spirituality about myself, I've left you empty. There's nothing to gain from that. I don't want you, I don't want to tie you to me. I think there ought to be loyalty to the man of God, and there ought to be loyalty from the man of God to the church. But I tell you, at the end of the day, we're just all sinners. At the end of the day, you know who we met this morning to see? We met to see Him. When I started preaching, I knew the Lord wanted me to preach this morning, but I'll be honest with you, I was nervous. Very nervous. Because it's very quiet in here. 
and a little bit warm. Yeah. You know how Baptists are when it gets the least bit, the temperature changes? I mean, they just start changing with it. I like to keep it cool. Y'all know that, don't you? Okay. That way nobody don't come in here with their clothes off. Amen. If they do, they're hunting a blanket. Crank that down about 10 degrees. You ain't got to worry about them peeling off. They'll be putting it on. Amen. Ain't more than one way to skin a cat. You know that? That's right. But I'll tell you something. I, I said, Lord, you don't have to help me. I need him this morning. Be honest with you, until about 10 minutes ago, I'm not sure he was even showing up. But only when he got to talking about him. Brother, I tell you, and I'm going to say this in closing. He was separated. He wasn't a liberal. He wasn't a Pharisee. That was the next verse. You read it later. He went home. I mean, he, he, the other men that was with him, they went away. God, God moved them out. You know why God moved them out? Moved them out simply because that... Daniel, he wanted to tell Daniel something that was just for Daniel. And when you're filled with the Spirit, you don't even know it because you're constantly hungering and thirsting to be closer to God. Amen. No Spirit-filled Christian ever walks around and talks about being filled with the Spirit, that they're filled with the Spirit. They're always starving for more. They want to be more. And they always see themselves for who they really are, and it ain't good. Amen. Here's what I want to say in closing this morning. Daniel was separated. When you think about men of the Old Testament, you think about Joseph. You think about David. You think about Daniel. You know why? Spirit-filled men. Two things I want to give you this morning as they get ready. Number one, I want to ask every senior saint to stand if you can physically. I want to ask you to stand this morning. I want you to look around the rest of us. This generation, they just don't say much. But oh, how we need them. Can I tell you something? I wish, Miss Kate, I wished you testified more. But you know what? I do too. She only testifies when she feels led. Is that right? And I wish you'd testify every single service. Can I get a second and a third on that? Any May, I wish you'd testify every service. But you ain't going to. She done said, I don't. I don't. But I do. She's got something to say to me. I always enjoy your testimonies. I wish you'd testify more. But you know what? The, the closer you walk with God, the more sensitive you become to things. And you just don't want to do anything if he's not in it. Isn't that right? That's right. I ain't just talking about testifying. I'm talking about if we're having a conversation, you just don't want to say nothing to me that you don't feel like you're supposed to say. Is that right? That's the way it is. Boy, I thank God for that. You get up and say this all the time. I don't want to take up your time. I wouldn't care if he preached. Would y'all? <laughs> right. I mean that. In fact, I told you, go ahead and preach, but he just, you want to be sensitive. You can be seated. I love this man right here. I love you, Pastor. Been a blessing, ain't it? Our church.
You can sit down, Maybell. Don't you love these two right here? Don't you love them this morning? I love them both. Amen. You can't leave them more. I knew you was going to say something you weren't supposed to say while I was preaching. Don't you love them? That's something else about when you come to sing and you say what you want to. I'll tell you something. I mean, we're going to go home. But if I, this is, this is a burden in my heart. I look at these senior saints. And I say to myself, I want to be like them. See, Daniel didn't get up one day at chapter 10 and say, you know what, I want to be a spirit-filled saint of God. Oh, no. It started way back there in chapter 1 and probably before. As a young boy, Daniel had the privilege of hearing men like Jeremiah preach, Ezekiel, and pre-exile revivals. He sat in church. He watched men and he saw them older saints full of God. And as a young boy, just like you did, as a young boy, he said, I want that. I want what they got. And by the time he got to Babylon, Babylon was too late. <laughs> Woo! The devil was too late. Because he done got a taste of old time religion. And he said, the lights of Babylon will not do. I've done set at the feet. I've done tasted the waters and fountains and springs that run from another world. And Daniel said, I'm going to live here like I lived over there. And I tell you what I believe, Brother David. I think just like your daddy. 93 years old, wasn't he, when he died? Looking back, 92 would have been 93 in March. I think Daniel, in chapter 10, he's going to see one more vision before he goes home. And I think he looks back down through life, living in unfit circumstances. And I think Daniel says, it's been worth every mile. It's been worth the trip. Living for God all these years, being an old-time Christian, it really does pay just to live in ordinary days in a world filled with confusion. That's what Babylon means. I'm going to tell you this morning, get some of that. You young people, get a hold of what I'm preaching about. Get it, Andrew. See, how do you get it, preacher? You get in this altar, and you say what George said over there. You say, oh God, I want you to have all of me. I sell out, I surrender, I yield. I don't want any. My life is yours. Destroy self. Get rid of pride. Get rid of me. Don't let people see me. Oh, God, don't let them see me. Flesh is flesh. I don't care how you dress it up. It's always ugly. God, fill me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. If some of your mamas and daddies need to do that this morning, why don't you come on? Why don't you come on as we stand? You want what Daniel had? It'll take 72 years. But it starts right here. It's a lifetime of walking with God while Dave, Brother David sings.